The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Well, hello, Ecclesia family. Welcome to our online gathering together. Uh, we know that this week may be filled with all kinds of different questions, anxiety uh, about school, about COVID, about just things in general. And we're so grateful that we get a chance to pause and to come together and to remember that we are a part of a great cloud of witnesses, uh, that we are not alone in all of this, and that God is with us through all of it. So would you join me in a word of prayer as we begin our time of worship and celebration together today? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that in all things you are with us, that you promise to be with us even to the end of the age, that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you promise that blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And so we ask that in these moments that you would bring a spirit of comfort, a spirit of peace into our lives, into our homes, or wherever we are gathered together across this city and this globe. May your spirit breathe peace into those places. And may you remind us of your grace and your love and your mercy for us and for all people in all times, in all places. May you be honored by our worship, our thanksgiving, our praise, and as we open the scriptures today. And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Good to be with you this morning, Ecclesia. God bless.
Ecclesia, even in this challenging season, we continue to be committed to the work God calls us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well, especially for our children. As we each consider our part in this offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous as you free us from our anxiety and our fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family and in all things, may you be glorified, amen. Ecclesia, what a privilege for me to get to give you an update on how our hot meals for vulnerable sisters and brothers is going um, in our community. This past week, we were able to provide delicious food from three restaurants, Tornado Taco, The Catch, and This Is It Soul Food. One of the small groups in our community actually sponsored one of the meals and along with it brought enough Gatorade and water to accompany that meal. And so this is also an encouragement, not that we're still doing this, but that you can be invited into it if you would like. If you would like to help sponsor these meals, um, bring Gatorade, bring water, we would love to have you join with us. And if you are interested, please email lauren at ecclesiahouston.org. You know that in this season, another way that we are supporting our vulnerable people in our community is to provide care kits, bags that have toiletries as well as food, enough for three days. And I want to express gratitude for the ways that you guys showed up and brought donations this past week. I talked to Manny and it really, really, really encouraged him that you guys were so generous. We still do need more donations and you can find a list of those things on our website. And I want to put in a particular plea for power bars and bug spray and electrolytes. And when I say electrolytes, I mean like a Gatorade, Powerade, or what's also super helpful are those little packets of electrolyte powder that you can purchase. And then someone can just tear it open and put it into a bottle of water. If you do have um, the opportunity to purchase these things, please bring them by downtown on Mondays and West Side on Wednesdays. We also want to express gratitude for the funds that you have given to make sure that these efforts to support people can continue. If you would like to start giving or continue giving, just remember that you can text your donation amount to 84321. We really appreciate your generosity. I hope that all of you were encouraged by Shauna's message last week on daily bread. One thing that I really appreciate about this community is that we get to hear a diversity of voices speaking about God's word. And today we have our brother Jarrett Stevens from Soul City Church giving our message today on prayer.
would you please say a, a quick prayer for him as he delivers our word today? Hey there, Ecclesia Church. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and my wife, G and I, have the privilege of pastoring Soul City Church right in the heart of downtown Chicago. And it is such an honor for me to be with you uh, this weekend. I've known your pastor, Chris, for over 20 years now. We met at a retreat in Santa Fe, gosh, yeah, over 20 years ago. And I remember the first time I saw him across the room and was hearing him, I thought, who is this, this brash and boisterous and brilliant dude? And why do I love him so much? So to be able to be with you and in some sort of way to be with Chris this weekend is a, is a huge honor for me. We love what you guys are doing as a church. We're inspired by you and privileged to partner with you however we can. This weekend, I want to just take a moment to, to talk for a little bit on prayer. You know that thing that all of us think we should be better at? I want to talk about how uh, one of our greatest limitations in prayer, I believe, is rooted in one of our most misguided assumptions about prayer. I just, I want to take a moment to talk about how you can partner with God, maybe, like never before. So here's what I want us to do, because we're just getting to know each other online. So here's what I want us to do. I, I, I want to see if anyone watching right now would say that they are awesome at prayer. Like raise your hand wherever you're at right now if you'd say, I'm awesome at prayer. Like you have prayer all figured out. You, you basically have a PhD in prayer. If anything, you're praying too much. You, sh you should probably stop praying so much, right? No one feels that way, do they? Yeah. Me neither. In fact, earlier this year, I released a book that I've been working on for the last two years on prayer called Praying Through. And I'm going to be really honest with you, over the course of writing that, I faced a lot of intimidation. Like, what do I have to say about prayer? I'm not an expert on prayer. There are people way more qualified to write this book than I am. And the crazy thing is this, I've been at this for almost 40 years, and I still feel like an amateur when it comes to prayer. Maybe you feel the same way, like you, like you don't have prayer all figured out. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss. That's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not perfection, but participation. That, that's key. The point of prayer is not perfection. It's not about doing it all right. It's about participation. Listen, you will never figure prayer out ever. <laughs> That's an encouraging word, right? Aren't you glad you tuned in for that? You're never going to figure prayer out. But that's not the point. Perfection isn't the point. Your participation with God is what it's really all about. And if participation is the name of the game, well, then all of us can do that. Any one of us can do that. You can do that. So that's why I want to just take a few minutes around a specific story from the Old Testament to have you consider this this weekend. How do you participate with God in prayer? And more specifically, what do you do while you're waiting for God to do what only God can do? What part do you play in all of that? Specifically, what I want us to look at this weekend is how there's this spiritual connection between your participation and your direction. That there is this spiritual connection between your participation with God in prayer and the direction of your life. And I would love for you to consider this question as we dive into this text this morning. Are you living in the direction that you are praying? Are you living 
in the direction that you are praying. Does that make sense? Are you moving, already moving, in the direction that you're asking God to move? Are you living in the direction that you are praying? So let's unpack that for just a little bit. I want you to grab a Bible if you've got one and turn to Joshua chapter three. So open up another tab or open up an actual physical Bible. Those still exist. And you can open up to Joshua chapter three. Let me give you some quick context as to where we're at in Joshua chapter three. Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They had been promised by God that they would have a whole new home, a whole new land, a new season, new chapter in their story after years in captivity and in slavery in Egypt. But it's been 40 years and Moses is gone. And Joshua is the newly appointed leader. And they're right about to enter into that long awaited promised land. I mean, it's literally just off on the horizon. But there's one big last obstacle for them to cross over. So this is Joshua chapter three, verse one. And it says this, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and they went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. That's Joshua 3, one. They, they were right about to cross, but they stopped and they camped right before crossing over. Now just pause. I want you to look at those last three words of, of Joshua 3.1. It says before they crossed over. Now, it's easy to read, right? Hard, hard to do. And here's why. By best counts, there are somewhere around 2.5 million of them. 2.5 million people fleeing captivity, wandering the wilderness for 40 years, about to enter the promised land. 2.5 million. And that's not including all the livestock and the carts and the tents and the food and provision and coolers, all that stuff, right? Now, normally at any given point, the, the Jordan River, and this is important to know just for context, the Jordan River is anywhere from 100 to, to 200 feet wide, right? And maybe you've been there, you've been on a tour with Pastor Chris before, and anywhere like 100 and 200 feet and about 4 to 10 feet deep. That's when it's kind of in its normal stage. But as we'll see in a minute, it was actually, the Jordan was actually at flood stage, which made it almost a mile wide, fast moving current, and much deeper. And we're talking, remember, over 2 million people crossing that. Like, imagine the entire city of Houston having to cross the Buffalo Bayou, but like down by the bay at the bigger part, right? I mean, how would you even get the whole city to do that? Especially with all those funky smells going on, right? You know about that. So crossing over is no small thing. So let's see what happens in verse 2. It says this, Joshua 3, 2. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp to 2.5 million people or so, giving this order to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. And I love this. Since you have never been this way before. Just pause real quick there. Since you have never been this way before. How many of our big decisions in life simply boil down to the fact that we've never been this way before? Joshua is saying the presence of God is going to move and all you have to do is align your life and move with him because how would you possibly know how to do this on your own? You've never been this way before. 
So Joshua tells them this in the first part of verse four. Joshua told the people, so I want you to consecrate yourselves. That's a big word, we'll unpack. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow God's gonna do amazing things among you. That word consecrate, maybe you've heard it or read it or come across it before. It's not a word that we tend to use in our everyday lives. What it basically means is to prepare yourself, to ready yourself for God to move, to do whatever you gotta do to get ready for God to do what he's gonna do. Now, listen, you may not use that word in everyday life, but you know what it means to consecrate yourself. Like, remember back when we used to go out? Remember going out? Remember how fun that was? Remember? And you would like get all dressed up, right? And you get your best outfit on because you're gonna go out with your girlfriends, or you're gonna go out with your boys. And so you get all dressed up. Maybe you bust out the Spanx. You do whatever you have to do. You're getting all dressed up in the mirror, putting on your best outfit in this moment, hoping for what may come in a later moment. That's consecrating. You're preparing yourselves in the hopes of what may come later. Or if you've ever written a resume before, right? and you go through and you make the truth sound better on a resume, right? What are you doing when you fill out your resume and you update your resume before a big interview? All that you're doing is you're saying, I'm readying myself now for the hope that something will come out of this. That's what it means to consecrate yourself, to prepare yourselves today for the amazing things that God's gonna do tomorrow. Joshua tells the people of God to consecrate themselves, to get ready. And I just, it makes me wonder, maybe you, might wonder this, how many things in my life of God that I've missed because I wasn't ready, because I didn't prepare myself for God to move, because I wasn't looking for God to move or wasn't expecting God to move. I, I, like, I have to wonder and reflect how many times in my life that my life wasn't set up for God to show up. Does that make sense? I wasn't set up for God to show up in my life. I wasn't consecrating, I wasn't preparing myself, expecting for God to move. What God was teaching his people by having them consecrate themselves was just simply this. And it's kind of one of those spiritual principles that you see consistently throughout the Bible. This is what God was having them learn by consecrating themselves, and this is it. It's that tomorrow's provision is tied to today's position. Tomorrow's provision, how God's going to move tomorrow, how God's going to provide tomorrow is somehow tied to today's position. That's where prayer comes in. That's where our participation comes in. That what God's going to do tomorrow is somehow connected to or tied to what you and I do today. That's what God is inviting you. That's why he's inviting you to partner with him today because of what he has in mind or is already up to doing tomorrow. That, that, that is important to get, that idea of our participation, our partnership, our preparing ourselves today for what God is going to do tomorrow. Joshua told them, position yourselves today for God's power and God's provision to come tomorrow. You may not see it in this moment, but it's already on the move. So here's what I want you to do. Jump down to verse 15, Joshua 3, verse 15. It says this. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage. Remember how I mentioned that? So normally, you know, 100, 200 feet. Well, it's at flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, you have to imagine the intimidation they felt as the rushing waters are going by. They can just see over to the other side. Their feet go right up. It says when their feet touch the water's edge, the water, now don't miss this, the water from upstream stopped flowing. And get this, this is a 
powerful picture. The text says that it piled up in a heap, <laughs> in a heap. Like it's a big old heap of water. I mean, you imagine you're just out there like fishing with your kids and all of a sudden the water just starts piling up in front of you. But it says that it piled up in a heap a great distance away. That is huge. God already stopped the river's flow. Where? A great distance away that they couldn't see. Upstream. See, when I'm all stuck in my present circumstances, I'm looking at COVID-19, I'm looking at our economy, I'm looking at the racial and systemic injustice that exists in our country today. It's all I'm looking at is my present circumstances. I don't know what to do. And maybe you felt this way. You don't know what to do. When you look around you, you don't know what to do. And everything in front of you looks like there's, there's no way. It's just not possible. And you think about your life. How is there ever going to be peace? How are we ever going to get back to normal? How am I ever going to have an ounce of sanity again? You're wondering when God is going to move, when God is going to actually come through in your life. And so often what I don't see is that upstream, far off, God already was moving. He already did it. You just haven't seen it yet. I just haven't received it yet. That is powerful, especially in the days that we're living in that feels so complex and so um, intense to consider that God is actually already moving on your behalf for his good and his glory in this world and in your life upstream. We wonder and worry whether God will move when in reality he already has upstream. But did you see what it said there in, in verse 15? And I just think it's an important point. It says, yet as soon as their feet touched the water's edge. Now, I, I brought with me the best sort of representation of the Jordan River that I could. I'd wanted to go out to the Chicago River uh, here in Chicago, but too many bodies floating in there. So I decided to bring this with me because I think it illustrates exactly sort of the idea of what we're talking about here. It says that as soon as their feet touch the water's edge. Now remember, you're the Levitical priest. You're holding the Ark of the Covenant. You get how serious and significant this moment is. The promised land is just on the other side, and yet there's a rushing river in front of you. And it says that as soon as their feet touch the water's edge, that second, now they had to take that step, but the second their feet touched the water, it stopped because of what God had already done upstream. See, this is that part about participation. They had to step out. They had to move in the direction that God was already moving. They had to live their lives in the direction of their prayer. They had to trust that what they consecrated themselves, they prepared themselves for, God was already up to. And I think this is so important for us and, and something that we so often miss, or at least I so often miss, is that every time I step out in faith, I go, oh God, oh God, I don't know, oh God, the water, oh God, my circumstances, oh God. When you step out in faith, you're actually stepping into God's faithfulness. You're stepping into God's faithfulness. You're stepping out in faith, that's your part of the participation. But you're stepping into God's faithfulness. But you and I have got to step out. We've got to step out. 
I'm, I'm sure you know, and Pastor Chris and your staff and your incredible teaching pastors there and your team has taught you that God goes ahead of you. You probably already know that God goes ahead of you. That is a spiritual principle, that God is already working and moving ahead of you, but you gotta keep going. I gotta keep going, even when it feels impossible, even when I can't see away, because the truth is there isn't a step you will ever take in faith that isn't onto the dry ground of God's faithfulness. But you have to take that step. Story wraps up in verse 17. It says this, the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan. Never been done like that before. They just stopped right there in the middle of the Jordan on dry ground. God didn't just, you know, slowly like leave it to a trickle. He stopped it in a great heap, a great distance away upstream. And while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Can you imagine that moment? They sensed God moving. He was already up to something. So they aligned their lives and they started moving with him. And they got to stand in the midst of the miracle of God's provision in their life. See, this is what participation in in prayer looks like. I move myself in the direction I'm asking God to move. I move myself in the direction that I'm asking God to move. I don't just pray, oh God, God, make a way, God, make a way, and then I just keep sitting on my couch and hoping that maybe he does it for me. No, I move in the direction that I'm asking God to move. I align my life with the lines of my prayer. Does that make sense? This is why I believe that our African brothers and sisters say it so well when they say that when you pray, listen to this, I love this. When you pray, move your feet. When you pray, move your feet. You move your feet. You move in the direction that you are actually praying. How many of you have ever had a car die on you before, right? You've had a car die on you. I've had a car die on me before, probably more times than I'd like to admit. And you know when you have to push that car, you're helping someone on the side of the road push that car and you, there's no engine, there's no nothing. How many of you all know that the wheels are really hard to turn when it's just stuck there not moving? But as soon as it starts to move, the wheels are actually able to to move a lot easier. It's the same is true of, of your life. When you are moving in the direction you're asking God to move, direction becomes clearer. God's presence seems and, and is nearer to you. It's so much easier to see God move when you're already moving in the direction of your prayer. And I think this is the invitation that I would love to offer to each of you. I would love for each of us to consider whatever it may be that you are praying about, whatever it may be that you have going on in your life. I'm not sure what it is, but that's my question to you. Are you willing to move in the direction that you're asking God to move? Are you willing to align your life in the line, with the lines of your prayer, what you're praying and asking God for? Are you willing to participate, to become a part, to do your part while you wait for God to do what only He can do? So what I would love to do is actually just pray for you. I would love to pray for you, whatever it is that you may be actually praying through. And, I, and again, I know in these days that we're living in, it's a lot. All of us are facing our own battles. All of us have our only like, only God kind of stories that we're waiting for God to come through on. I don't know what it is specifically for you, but I want to pray that you would have the courage to move in the direction that you're praying, to align your life with the lines of your prayer. So can I just pray for you right now and then 
we'll wrap up and continue on through the rest of this gathering. Let me pray for you right now. God, thank you for the way that you know and are intimately and intricately involved in every aspect of our life. There's not a thing that we're facing that you don't know about. There's not a thing that we're facing that you're freaked out about, that you don't know what to do about, God. And so God, I pray for those who maybe are wrapped up and bound up in fear right now. And and maybe God, they've kind of, as they've sheltered in place or limited their sort of life, maybe God, they're pulling in a little too much. They're alienating themselves from friends or from relationships and they're kind of just compounding the isolation by doing so. God, I pray that you would allow them to move in in the direction that you're already moving, God, to connection with others, to reaching out, to FaceTime, to phone calls, to safe socially distanced coffees, whatever it may be. God, I know that there are folks who are praying for financial breakthrough right now. And God, I pray that you would give them the wisdom to make real financial decisions that can align with what you're going to do that you already have begun to do upstream. They can't see it right now, God, because all they see are their bills or all they see is how it's not going to work to get their kids into this school and to kind of see, you know, that next level of income they want to earn, whatever it may be, God. But there's wisdom that you've given them. There's decisions that they can make right now today to align their lives in the way that they're asking you to provide for them financially. God, would you give us the courage to do so? Some of us are are having to make really big health decisions. And so God, I know that even as I'm considering those with my dad and as we're walking through those with friends, that we would do the things that only we can do. That we would participate with the healing that only you can bring, God. That we would align our lives in that way so that, God, we can see you move. We can recognize, we would consecrate it. We would prepare ourselves, do whatever we can do to see you move. And God, thank you for your faithfulness, your never-ending, never-failing faithfulness. And every time we are scared out of our wits to take a step of faith, God, remind us that all we're doing is just stepping into that dry ground of your faithfulness. God, I pray for Chris. I pray for this church. We thank you for them, every person, every family, every person in their community that has been loved and served and touched and reached. God, I pray that they would continue to move forward as you're leading and guiding them in this city and literally around the world. We love them, but not as much as you do, God, as much as you love us. So it's in your name and because of your great love that we pray and say, amen. And friends, now we get to come back to the communion table together. And so let's pray this confession prayer to prepare our hearts for communion. Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. Lord, you have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. Lord, you forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. And God does restore and heal us. And he invites us to our communion table once again. And friends, this is the table of our unity. We have such a diverse community. We're diverse in so many different ways. 
uh, we're, we're very different. We have very different lives, very different experiences. And yet we get to unite at this table. And, and we're going to seek unity in our diversity. And the table is a perfect place for us to come together and do it. And we remember uh, at this table, we remember Jesus. And we remember how the night before he went to the cross, he gathered his friends and his disciples, and they ate the Passover meal together. And as they ate the meal, Jesus took bread. And today it's a saltine cracker. But as he took bread, he blessed God and he broke the bread and he offered it to his friends. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And then they ate the meal and he took a cup of wine. And again, he blessed God and he offered it to his friends and he said something new. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And this remembrance, we do look back and we remember Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. But we also look forward and we anticipate the, the banquet feast where we will feast eternally with our God at his table in the place of perfect unity with one another and with God. So today, may this be a taste for all of us. Lord, may these ordinary elements of the earth, whatever we have gathered in our homes, uh, bread, juice, wine, crackers, tortillas. Lord, may it be for us a taste of our place together at your table as your beloved daughters and your beloved sons. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, with whatever you've got, you can gather it now as the band leads us in worship. Uh, again, today I've got saltine crackers, but it can be anything you have gathered in your home. Let's take and feast and celebrate together. Amen. Cannot medicate 
learn to feel Learn to begin again Open our eyes again To see our brother's pain I hope they see it Cause I wanna see I hope we believe it. I want to see, I want to see the love. It's all around you. It's all around you. I the time that we get to pray over the children in our lives. I'm thinking of my youngest cousins, Jackson, Annabella, and Harrison as we pray. Join me. Creator God, thank you for these precious children in our lives. May they know how beautifully and how wonderfully you created each of them to be. And may they know deep in their being how loved unconditionally they are by you and as you continue to reveal who you are to them in new ways and in new places throughout life that they would grow to know you like a best friend in the name of the holy trinity amen benediction comes from the words of Koheleth, the teacher of Ecclesiastes. Remember your creator, God, while you are young, before life gets hard and the injustice of old age comes upon you, before the years arrive when pleasure feels far out of reach, before the sun and light and the moon and stars fade to darkness, and before cloud-covered skies return after the rain, before the silver cord is snapped and the golden bowl is shattered before the earthen jar is smashed at the spring and the wheel at the well is broken. 
before the dust returns to the earth that gave it and the spirit breath returns to the God who breathed it. Let us remember our creator. Life is fleeting, it just slips through your fingers, all vanishes like mist. So Ecclesia, let us not allow sacred moments to leave without having given thanks. May God grant you awareness, eyes to see, ears to hear. As we sing so often, I want to see, I want to see the love. It's all around you. Sisters and brothers, it's all around you. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.